Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex with a new microphone. And this is Not Today. How you doing? I'm great. Good. I'm excited. Yes. You are with a new microphone. I am with a new microphone. You are... Number one. And we have an announcement. Number two. I honestly, hearing myself, the difference is... Astounding, right? Astounding. Yeah. And I apologize. <laughs> For the past 70 yeah. episodes. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Yeah, I didn't. I never noticed until you were like, literally, listen to the difference between your mic and my mic, and I was yeah. like, oh, you're like, oh like, shit. Yeah, it sounds like there's um Static. one of those old TVs that was just left on on full blast. <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully, that will be no more. No we more. are upgraded, baby. Yeah. And hey, you said something that I find a little interesting. Um, oh, do you? Did you say that we have an announcement to make? I don't know. You tell me. Oh shit. We have an announcement to make. <laughs> drum roll, please. Oh, is it too loud? That's too loud. <laughs> Quiet drum roll. Quiet drum roll. You guys, <laughs> our Patreon is finally here. Ready to drop. Oh my god, I am so excited. Looks at watch. It's, it's like a year and a half. Only taken, yeah, seriously, since we've started. But no, we've been working on this for months. It has been such a long time in the making. We are so, so excited for you guys to come join us on this journey. We're so excited to give you extra content that you've been asking for and, you know, form the community that we we love so much because you guys are amazing. And this is going to be so much fun. So Let's break it down a little bit, shall we? What do we get? So let's start with the $2 tier. This is where you will get access to our main episodes a whole day early, baby. Entire 24 hours. Hell yeah. And then you also get access to our super special Private. private Discord server chat. Yes. Where we are going to chat it up baby and you get to interact with other people in the community yeah that's what's so exciting about it is like we are obviously going to be there and we're going to be like talking to all of you and like chatting about the episodes and our lives and whatever the hell else we want to talk about but also you guys get to like chat with each other and make friends with like people who have like similar interests to you which i think is super exciting and just a little extra thing on top in the discord server i made a second uh i made a section that is dedicated to you showing me your pets so if you like listen this is very important to me i need to see your pets (laughs) this this part isn't for isn't for you it's for us (laughs) let's be very clear here this part is not for you this is for me this is what i get out of this this whole shebang i need to see your pets Yes. So you need to send me videos and pictures, and you can do that in our Discord chat, which is super exciting. So let's move on to the $5 tier. This is our tier number two, and this is where you will get both early access to our regular episodes as well as the Discord chat, but you will also, on top of that, get an extra full-length episode every month. Which you get to vote on. Yes, as well as voting power on top of that. So you get to vote for what type of episodes you want to hear, whether that be a true crime survival story or a wilderness survival story or a rescue mission. You get to tell us exactly what you want to hear. Or you can vote on a specific case you want to hear that month or maybe possibly a main episode that will go for everyone. You know, you can tell us what you want to hear on a Tuesday, you know? I don't know. Club gone up, episode gone up. On a Tuesday. Also, the voting power is really cool because at some point, I'm sure, we will do some merch. And you get to tell us what kind of designs you like or what type of merch you'd like to see or what color you'd like. Just things like that, you know, because that's fun. That's fun. And exciting. And we want to make this as collaborative as possible while also giving you the extra stories that you have been asking us for, which is super fun. And I am very excited about the first bonus episode that we have up already because it is so insane. It's so insane. Yeah. Just to give you a little taste... Okay, it starts off as what you think would just be like a, you know, a break in, a kidnapping, if you will. And that on its own, horrendous, crazy, so much bad could happen. And it does. 
And then, when the police get involved, the amount of twists and turns that this story has is absolutely astounding. I mean, how many times did we stop and be like, this should be a Netflix series, and if it was, we would binge the shit out of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this story is insane. So that's the kind of energy that we're bringing to this these extra episodes, and we're just really excited about it. Yeah, I couldn't believe the first story. Like, as you were telling it, I'm like, this just did not happen. Like, this is not reality. It does not seem real in and, the slightest. Yeah, and I'm really excited to see what people come up with because one of the hardest parts for me is picking what story to tell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can never really... I mean, people suggest things, but, you know, I never really get, like, a community validation of the idea. Yeah, you know? right. Like, do, do people actually want to hear this? Or yeah. is it just something that's interesting to me? Yeah, so this will, like, help us tell interesting stories that you want to hear. For, for sure. sure, definitely. And a little cherry on top, our $5 tier will also be included in our close friends list on Instagram, which is exciting because you get to see a little closer look into our lives, whether that be, you know, behind the scenes for, like, how we record or just random stuff that I feel like posting that day. Yep, a <laughs> just tour of gonna our, get silly. Yes, getting a little silly. Our state of the art studio, which is very clean and um, spotless. Yes, you'll be impressed with the decor <laughs> and our professional demeanor while we're recording. Definitely, I can say with one hundred percent certainty that that is all true. <laughs> but anyway. We really hope you guys come and check it out. The link will definitely be in the episode description and on our Instagram and all over the place. So go on, check it out. Come join our fam, you know? Please. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I am super excited also for the story that we're going to talk about this week because this one is kind of a long time coming, is it not? Yeah, I tried to tell this story and I think it was like the third story I told. It was just like awkward and clunky. It was very early into the pod we were Mm. not comfortable with uh telling stories yet we were still learning you know yeah no we get better as time goes on we age like a fine wine if you will so it just wasn't there yet and so now we are back and i'm telling it again and i'm excited because i think i have a little extra information that you might not even know so that's fun yeah get to figure out what it was have you ever have you actually gone back and listened to the early ones recently no, and I never will. No, I don't think I will either. No, and I never will. I think I did once, and I was like, oh boy. Yeah, no, I can't do that. Yeah. But, but anyway. here we are with the Patreon. Yeah, here we are doing our best every single day. So Just trying. Let's get into it. We are going to take a quick right and then a left and then a right and make our way over to Africa for this story into zimbabwe and also zambia because where we're taking where the story takes place it's on the border yeah so we're gonna be in africa anyway for one exactly so my sources for this week's episode comes from an article from africaunauthorized.com by haynes wessels uh the book when man is the prey by james frederick clark season two episode five of i shouldn't be alive as well as a history.com article Cool? All right. Amazing. Let's get into it. It was Easter Sunday morning when canoe guide Phil Longden led his party of German tourists into a channel skirting the Great Zambezi River, which separates Zambia from Zimbabwe in southern Africa, like I said. And so far, their trip had been a happy one. You know, they're all hanging out on the river, they're taking pictures, and the Zambezi is a massive river full of wildlife. So there was plenty to see, and they were soaking it up. Longden had organized a quote-unquote leg over, where the occupants place their feet in the adjoining canoe and hold the canoes parallel. So they're kind of like all joined together kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. So the group rested their paddles and sat back to relax and let the current take them slowly down the river. And this relaxing scene was completely shattered when an unseen hippo burst out of the reed bank adjacent to them and crashed into the water. Holy shit. Like, just all of a sudden? Yeah. Dude, don't fuck with hippos. Do not fuck with hippos. They are spooky. Mm Mm-hmm. So Longden reacted immediately and shouted for the paddlers to disengage. He screamed for them to watch out as he kicked a canoe away, but as he drew his foot back, the hippo blew back out of the water, showing its massive white incisors with its jaw wide open before clamping down onto his leg and began flailing him around like a rag doll, tearing into his flesh and bone. 
we are starting out this story extremely intense. Each week, I speak to inspirational people. Each one of them has been on their own remarkable journey. They've all chosen to share their stories with one aim, that if people can relate and get comfort from it, if it can help someone. As one of my guests said, there's so much going on in the world. We should be focusing on helping one another and making each other better. Each one is a superhero, not because they have special powers, it's because in spite of what they've gone through, they keep on going. I find them remarkable. Please listen to Chatholic and hear their stories. Jeez, we're like not even five minutes in. This man's getting his leg torn off. Yeah. He's being like whipped around like a rag doll by his leg. Yeah. Like a hippo. Oh, yeah. It's going to be amazing if he keeps his leg. Yeah. So Longden struck out at the hippo with, the, with his paddle, but was pulled into the river and then dragged down by the hippo. So he's now fighting for his life under the water with this hippo. And so the entire group was just watching as this happened. And all they could do was scream because what the hell else do you do? Yeah, you can't really take on a hippo. Right, but miraculously, Longden resurfaced and was immediately pulled aboard another canoe and they all hauled ass to the shore. His leg was a mangled, bloody mess and he knew this attack would change everything for him. And amid the chaos, Longden noticed his blue paddle drifting slowly away. And he was sad to see it go because it, it had been with him the entire time that he was a guide. But there was nothing he could do about it now. So he kind of just had to just cut that loss. You know, it's a yeah, paddle. just watch it go. Yeah, he did. But on this same Easter Sunday, a different group of five people were making their way from the Zambian capital of Lusaka to a camp about 100 miles downriver from where Phil Longden had been attacked. Arthur Taylor and his friend Alistair Galatly planned a fishing trip for that Tuesday. And at that point, the two had known each other for more than 25 years, and their kids had grown up together. So they considered each other to be like family. And the two spent a lot of time together, and one of their favorite things to do was to go fishing on the Zambezi River. I'm sure other places too, but that's where they were going on this day. So both of them were experienced safari guides and hunters in Africa. So they had both spent a lot of time working and living along the Zambezi River. And joining them on this fishing trip was Arthur's wife, Faye Taylor, along with her parents, Clive and Brenda Kelly. Clive and Brenda were retired teachers who were visiting for the weekend, and the two of them had lived in Africa on and off for many years, but at that point, their home base was England. And so as they loaded up the boat, Faye's mother Brenda decided she wanted to hang back and spend her day sitting by the shore and reading her book because that seemed like a better day to her. I can relate, Brenda. Fair enough. She didn't really like going on the boat since it made her anxious and she'd much rather just hang back at their camp. This sounds, is you. Sounds like me. Me and Brenda are one and the same. But it was the last chance for all of them to go out on the river together since Faye and Arthur had to leave to pick up their kids from their boarding school. And Faye didn't want her mother to just sit there all alone, so she said if Brenda didn't go, then she would just stay back at the camp with her mother. Obviously, that wasn't the most ideal outcome. So after a little convincing, Brenda finally agreed to come fishing with them. So they all get on the boat and they're getting ready to go. And this was just a typical fishing boat with one motor that a person would have to sit on the back and like steer the boat with, you know, um, it was nothing fancy. Their plan was to go out onto one of the most remote stretches of the river. It is a massive, incredible river with a huge variety of wildlife in and around it. You've got elephants all around, beautiful birds, buffaloes, zebras, giraffes. And then in the water, there were huge crocodiles and a ton of hippos, as we know. And as Phil Longden had to, unfor he's unfortunately... He's been acquainted with. Yeah, he's been acquainted with them. So... The five of them were very relaxed. Nobody had a worry in the world. They were just drifting along, fishing with not a ton of luck at that point. They had passed a bunch of groups of hippos in the water, but most of them were all bunched together in a herd. Although every once in a while, there would be a random lone male in the water. But since they were experienced guides, they thought as long as they kept a 
a nice distance from them. There shouldn't be any aggress- aggression or issues. A nice wide beard. <laughs> yeah, right. give them a nice wide beard. A nice wide beard. That's exactly right. So, now, I don't know if you guys know much about hippos because I sure didn't, but hippos are one of the most dangerous and aggressive animals toward humans. First of all, they're huge. On average, they weigh 3,300 pounds. It's a car. Yeah, literally. But large males never truly stop growing. Can you imagine? Really? They don't stop? That's what this article said. They How never... big did they get? I, I mean, bigger I than 3,000 pounds. <laughs> so, What's the cap? I, that doesn't seem to be one. Jesus. A nice wide hippo. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so hippos have tusks that grow from modified teeth at the front of their mouths. And their incisors, which is the human equivalent of front teeth, and canines, which are the sharp teeth at the corner of a human's mouth, in case we didn't all know this, are modified to grow over a foot each. A foot? Yeah. They got a $5 foot long coming out of their mouth in like a oh bunch of different places. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> That's insane. It's like your, half your arm. You, literally, yeah. And they are extremely hard, too, their teeth. They're hard ivory, surpassing even that of an elephant. And they also never stop growing, meaning their teeth, and are sharpened when they grind them against one another, making them even deadlier. Fun. So they got big, long spikes coming out their faces. Yeah. They are extremely territorial and get very aggressive. The chance of surviving a hippo attack is extremely slim. Even though they're huge and look like they move very slowly, they can swim extremely fast, and in short bursts, they can run around 20 miles per hour, whereas humans can only typically run around 6 to 8 miles per hour at full speed. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Something that large going that quick. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I've seen videos of them run, like, either, like, half- their bodies in water or like fully underwater they're quick they're horrifying i know they're so scary i know and then like before i saw that i'm just thinking my image of a hippo was the hippo from madagascar you know what i mean that moto character. moto likey yeah that one <laughs> i like them big i like them chunky chunky <laughs> so a little more fun yeah yeah, I feel like the only thing that I've seen, uh, you know, like videos online of hippos is like when they put an entire watermelon in its mouth and it just like chomps down on a watermelon like it's oh, nothing. Yeah. That's spooky. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's supposed to be like, oh, cute. But actually, it's like, oh, no, that could be my that, head. <laughs> your head's actually much smaller. <laughs> right. So they are actually known to attack lions, hyenas and crocodiles. Oh, my. So lions and hyenas generally avoid them. Smart move. Yeah. There are actually about 500 deaths per year in Africa due to hippos alone. That's quite a bit, yeah? I know, I'm just trying to, like, put that into perspective, like, that seems like maybe more than sharks. It is more than sharks. Oh, there you go. It is more, they are more deadly than sharks. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. But anyway, back to the five of them in their fishing trip. So, they were fishing without much luck, but finally, Brenda caught a fish. Nice. Goody, Brenda. So Good everyone Yeah, everyone was pretty stoked, especially Brenda, because she didn't want to go in the first place. So they decided that after that victory, they were going to get off the river and go have some lunch. And they spotted a place where they could pull their boat off the river that had a bit of shade where they could stop for lunch. So they started to make their way toward that direction. But all of a sudden there is an incredibly powerful bump that came from underneath the boat, and then quickly after another huge crash from underneath that sent Brenda flying into the water. There was a hippo that had slammed into the boat and was trying to flip it over. And, you know, between the boat and the hippo, the hippo was winning. Yeah, the little fishing boat. Right. Probably weighs like 100 pounds. Yeah, right. And the second hit that the hippo came and delivered sent Clive into the water as well. So now Brenda and Clive are in the water, and something bad about Brenda and Clive is they are really bad swimmers. Yeah, I was going to say they're a bit on the older side, too. They are. They are a bit on the older side, and on top of that, they can't really swim that well. Really? Yeah. Not great. 
So the bunch scrambles to get them back into the boat as the hippo circles back again to come, you know, for seconds. Right. When it hits the boat the third time, it sends another one of them into the water. And with the fourth hit, the boat completely capsized, sending all five of them into the water with the hippo and the crocs and anything else. So at this point, they're all in the water and can barely tell which way is up because the current is strong in the Zambezi. So Brenda, Faye, Arthur, and Alistair had all resurfaced underneath the boat and are holding onto it to keep their heads above the water. But as they are dangling in the water, they know that this could be any one of their last moments because these are some of the most crocodile-infested waters, and they are freaking huge. Like, sometimes 20 feet huge. They're like dinosaurs. Yeah, they are seriously dinosaurs. Clive had resurfaced from the water outside of the boat, and... As he came up, he was panicking because he didn't see anyone else. Because, you know, the boat was flipped over, so it was kind of like a dome. Right. And, like, he can't see anyone. So he starts screaming out to his wife, Brenda, as he swims over to the boat to hold on to it because he can't hear the rest of the group who was still underneath. And as terrified as everyone is about the possibility of a crocodile attack, that's actually not the most dangerous thing about their situation. What about the hippo? The hippo... Perhaps that is. For sure is, but... The current in that part of the river is so strong that it actually pulled them out all out from underneath the boat. Oh my god, really? Yeah, the Zambezi is known for its unpredictable and strong currents, and many people drown in its whirlpools every single year. Yeah, this part of Africa is not very friendly to life. Friendly? Yeah. <laughs> friendly? Life friendly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely not. But Do yeah. we have another statistic for how many people uh, get killed by the current? I don't have that statistic, but it's it's more than one. More than one. Yeah, which is not good in their case, especially for people who can't swim. Yeah. Currents that strong are really dangerous and life-threatening to people who can swim. Yeah, I know. I was like, do they have life fasts? No. Yeah. They do not. At this point, the five of them are bobbing in the tough currents, just trying to keep their heads above the water or trying to grab a hold of the boat that was, you know, still flipped over. And as that was happening... Faye said that she was thinking about how her children could have been with her for this trip and how they definitely would have died in that moment. So even though, you know, she's in a terrible situation, she's like, thank God my kids aren't here because this would be even worse. Yeah, for real. Brenda, like I said, was not a strong swimmer, so she was really struggling to stay above the water. And in the struggle, she was screaming and tried to hold on to Faye to keep her above the water. But actually, she was just pushing Faye down. Thankfully, Arthur was able to swim over to them and hold onto the two of them somehow and keep them from being completely swept away. They were all really getting pushed down the river together, but they were able to hang on to each other, so at least they weren't, you know, alone and drowning. It was just extremely hard to swim against that current, so they were completely at the mercy of the river. Meanwhile, Clive and Alistair were able to climb on top of the boat that was snagged on something in the middle of the river, so all they could really do was watch as the other three got washed away. Arthur, Faye, and Barbara knew their only way of survival was to find shallow water, and luckily the current had taken them toward the middle of the river, which sounds bad, but it was actually shallower than the rest of the river because there was a sandbank, so they were able to stand, which is important, you know? So they're not getting swept away, but they're still in the middle of the river. They are directly in the center of the river. So still at the mercy of all the things inside the river as well, you know? True. But at least they're not going to be killed by the current. For now. Maybe by something else. Not good. Clive and Alistair could see the three of them at the sandbank, but Alistair knew that there was no way that Clive would be able to swim over to the sandbank because he was an even worse swimmer than Brenda was, and she barely made it herself. But Arthur, Faye, and Brenda weren't much better off because they were standing thigh deep in the center of the Zambezi River. And although they felt relief being able to stand, they also knew that this was a very temporary relief because the river, like we said, full of huge crocodiles that have no fear of humans and in fact just look at you as a food source. So as Alistair assessed the situation, he knew that they were in deep shit because there was a very low chance anyone would find them on that remote part of the river because, you know, they are on this part of the river all the time. They're experienced guides. They're there all the time. So they know that this part of the river is very secluded 
and not many people travel it very often, which makes it ideal for fishing, but not ideal for a rescue situation. Yeah, I'm sure it's really not easy to get there either. No, I'm sure not. He also knew that hundreds of people die from crocodile attacks on the Zambezi like every year. So that's not good. Just on the Zambezi. Right. So as the only single man of the group, he decided to take a very calculated risk and try to swim to the riverbank to get help. Isn't that like insane that he was like, well, I don't have a partner here, so guess I'm going to go. I mean, yeah, it's cold, but it makes sense, right? I mean, it's not cold. It's incredibly selfless. True. But I don't know. You made it sound like this was just a, you know, if this, then this. There wasn't anything else going on. He was just like, well, I don't have a partner, so Well, no, that's what he said. He's like, I was the only single person. Yeah. So I'm going to go. Isn't that great? Like, that's insane. Well. Anyway, I just thought that was silly. But so he screams to Arthur that he's going to make a swim for it. And Arthur screams back, don't do that, because Arthur knows how dangerous that is, and he, it's his best friend. He doesn't want his best, his best friend to most likely be eaten, you know? But also, there isn't much of an option at this point, so Alistair dove from the top of the boat into the water and started swimming away from the group toward the bank. But still, he's really fighting the current, and he's really worried that all the splashing from his swimming is going to attract a crocodile. By the time he swam around three to 400 meters, he was getting pretty tired, but he also couldn't stop. And when he was talking about this, it reminded me of the time that my little sister was learning how to swim. (laughs) We were teaching my little sister how to swim in our swimming pool. And so I was on, you know, one side of the pool and my older sister was on the other side of the pool and she was swimming back and forth to each of us. And so (laughs) in the center of the pool, like directly in the middle of us, she was swimming. She was like doggy paddling. And then she goes, done. And she just stops swimming. <laughs> she like just stops swimming. Yeah. And drops. She just sinks underneath the water. And we were like, ah! And we had to like swim toward her. It was a mess. But anyway, he, yeah. he couldn't be done. Yeah. I was like, I don't think he has that luxury. No, Alistair could not be just done and just sink underneath the water because... <laughs> How far does he have to go about... He's at that point had swam three to 400 meters, but he still had a long way to go. So he had quite the swim. Against the current. Yeah, against this really strong current. So anyway, back to the story. Alistair was a smoker and a lover of beer. So he was not exactly a fitness fanatic, but he pounded the water for all he was worth as he struggled to narrow the gap. And can you tell that that was a direct quote from the book that I... (laughs) Because... I would never say he was a smoker and a lover of beer, so he would not have made it. (laughs) You have such a way with words. I know. So he was breathless, and after what seemed a lifetime, he finally touched the bank. He frantically tried to get out of the water, but the side of the bank was too sheer, and he kept slipping in the wet sand. So he, you know, still out of breath, had to get back into the water. And so he looked up the river and saw an inlet that would be much easier to exit the water from, but it was still a ways away. So he swam toward the opening. And as he swam closer to the inlet, the water got much calmer, which at first was, I'm sure, nice since he had been, you know, fighting the current, but it was dead quiet around him now. And after looking around, he realized why. Just in front of him was a seven foot crocodile that was looking right at him. By this point, he was basically at the water's edge, but he stared at this croc for a moment because he was terrified and he had absolutely no idea what to do. And that's when he saw it go underneath the water. No. Which is a bad sign. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So in that moment, Alistair said he started panicking. What? (laughs) Just funny. Bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Bad. Thank you. (laughs) So he started panicking, rightfully so, but he made an interesting snap decision. He decided the best thing for him to do would be to go toward the crocodile to try to chase it and possibly scare it, question mark? I don't know if that was his intention, but he basically went for the croc himself. Okay. I I don't know. I see the the logic here because I have seen people who are have like bears in front of them Uh you have to like kind of stand your ground and scare them right or at least it seems that way i'm not an expert yeah don't follow that advice yeah but i've i've seen it on the internet 
soccer uh, people. Where everything is true. Where everything is true, but it was a video. So, like, it oh. actually showed the bear. Right. Like, it showed the interaction. So, um, based off of this one interaction, I'm going to extrapolate to crocodiles now. Sure. Um, Making a big stretch here. But, I mean, what else do you do? I mean, I guess you try and get away, but if it's in between you and salvation, I don't think you have much of a choice, right? Right. I'm sure he didn't have much of a choice. And I mean, even if he could have run onto the land, at this point, his, the crocodile's sights were set on Alistair, and the crocodile can run on land, like, pretty fast, too. Yeah. I so, don't think the crocodile's uh, crushing brews and uh, smoking cigs, right, you know? Right. He's not cracking a cold one with the boys every yeah, chance dude, he gets. Yeah, the croc is uh, training for, like, his version of the Olympics, you e- know? Exactly. Against this current. Yeah. He's ice skating in the Crocodile Olympics this summer. This winter. Hello? This winter summer. This summer winter. Um, so, as the crocodile went under the water, Alistair also went under the water to try to see where it went. But when he opened his eyes underwater, he saw the croc coming straight for him. Of course. Surprise. Immediately, it went for his legs. And Alistair tried pushing it away with his left hand, but its teeth cut up his hand really badly before it disappeared under the water. So, you know, this pushing away of the crocodile's face, at least, kind of worked in that moment. But he's still cut up pretty badly, and he knows that the crocodile's probably going to come back around for seconds. So Alistair was further out into the water now, so it wasn't as easy for him to just, you know, get out of the water. And he just stood there for a moment because, you know, he's still in shock at what's happening. And before he could even really think, the crocodile came back up on him and completely bit down onto his right arm with all its force and went into a death roll which is when the crocodile continuously rolls under the water as a way to rip apart its prey or just drown it, depending on which one's faster, I guess. A crocodile's jaw crushes down on its victim with 3,700 pounds per square inch of force. That's more than three and a half times the bite of a lion and 25 times that of a human. Which, Sounds like a hydraulic press. Yeah. Oh my god, hydraulic press videos are insane. Wow, your face lit up. I love those videos. <laughs> I don't know what it is about something getting squished by a hydraulic press that I'm like, yes. I just sub with crocodile biting videos. Yeah, that's scarier. I don't like that as much. <laughs> Historically, crocodile attacks are 100 times deadlier than shark attacks and far more frequent. So, Alistair thought this was the end because hello he's rolling underneath the water and he was getting very weak and he couldn't see any way out of this he managed to pull the croc toward him and get his legs around it in a quote-unquote scissor grip so he rolled with him while attempting to gouge its eyes out with his thumbs but that seemed to cause him more pain than the crocodile and he said i thought i had broken my bloody thumb off and then left it in his head the pain was incredible it had absolutely no effect on him wow that's terrifying (laughs) Thankfully, though, he had one final thing that he thought he could do to save his life. He knows a fair bit about crocodiles, being that he was a safari guide and a hunter. So he knew that at the back of the crocodile's throat, there is a flap that keeps the water out of their lungs when they're underneath the water. So all while he still has has his right arm in the bite of a crocodile and is death rolling, keep in mind, He took his left hand and tried to get it inside the crocodile's jaw to reach all the way inside its mouth and get to the flap. And when he did that, he was able to reach this, you know, flap and the crocodile immediately released his arm and stopped death rolling and swam away. Whoa, so it was like, it was like the off button. Yeah. (laughs) It was like he unplugged the crocodile. Yeah, the unplug flap. So he's like one, like what? Like one in a thousand? Or something. I mean, he's very lucky. That's insanity. Like he's under the water death rolling and he thinks of this. Right. Like he has clear enough of a mind to be like, yep. I'm going to reach for the flap. The flap. (laughs) The crocodile flap. (laughs) That's the title of this week's episode. Yes, that is it. (laughs) The crocodile flap. Yep. Oh man, we'll see. But um, he was finally able to come up for air and he got himself out of the water and onto the shore. But now he was in very bad shape, as I'm sure you can imagine. Not only was his right arm and left hand completely torn up from its teeth, but his right arm was broken in three places and his shoulder joint had been ripped from its socket. 
Ooh, I hate that. Yep, we we are sensitive about shoulders in this house, folks. But anyway, so he, as he lay on the shore, he was really scared that he was going to go into shock because he was extremely weak and had lost a lot of blood. He managed to move to a shallow part of the river where he tried to wash his wounds as best he could because he knew all the bacteria in that crocodile's mouth was most likely going to be deadly in itself. And so he ripped a strip off of his shirt and secured it as a tourniquet around his arm to try to stem the bleeding. Meanwhile, Arthur, Faye, Brenda, and Clive had no idea that Alistair had been attacked because they had lost sight of him a while ago, and they're still standing in the middle of the river. So it's not really looking good for them either. Yeah, because I kind of forgot about them for a second. Yeah, right? You're like, oh, this is only Alistair show. No, no, we got four other folks that are still in the middle of the river. With families. With families, yeah. So Faye recalled hearing him shouting, oh my God, oh my God, meaning she heard Alistair shouting. But they thought that he had just reached the shore and he was exhausted and relieved that he made it. But that's when he yelled back, I've been nailed by a croc. I've been nailed by a croc. Just a little bit. Yeah, which was obviously terrifying news. They weren't sure if he'd lost an arm or a leg or if he'd even make it to get help for them. So they called back to see to ask how badly he was hurt, but after that, they didn't get a response. Now, knowing that Alistair had been possibly fatally wounded, Arthur decides he needs to take matters into his own hands, otherwise they may never get help. And so Arthur starts walking toward the Zimbabwe side of the river to see if he could swim across the opposite direction from Alistair. And Faye, his wife, starts freaking out because she thinks her husband is going to go off and get eaten as well. So she begs him not to go. When Arthur looked at the bank of the river he was, you know, trying to swim toward or he was planning on swimming toward, he could see several crocodiles laying out in the mud. So there was no way he should go in that direction. So he came back. Clive was still sitting on top of the boat, remember? Just chilling. Yeah. But by now, the boat was starting to sink. So he knew he had absolutely no choice but to swim over to Faye, Brenda, and Arthur. But he was terrified because one, not a strong swimmer, and two, scary. But if the boat went down in the middle of the night, he definitely didn't stand a chance. So he had to go now. Yeah, go while it's still light out. Yeah, he had to lower himself into the water and swim as hard as he could toward the group and fight the erratic currents on his own. Even though he was swimming as hard as he could, he just kept floating further and further away from his family, and all they could do was stand there and watch. Not only was that torturous, but at any moment they knew that he could also be taken by a crocodile, so it was painful to watch, I'm sure. It seemed to take forever to him to swim over to them, but finally he managed to make it to the group who were still in the middle of the river, but at least now they were all together. Every 10 to 20 meters, there was a crocodile laying on the bank of the river, so their situation seemed hopeless. There was nowhere for them to go. Although Alistair was now out of the water, he was still very vulnerable to attack as he tried to pull himself further up onto the beach. And he knew how vulnerable he was, so he wanted to get out of that area as fast as he could. So he did manage to pull himself up to his feet and start walking very slowly. The sun was beating down on him as he walked up to the only tree in that area with some rocks underneath it to sit down for a moment and try to fix up his arm in any way that he could. Also at that point, the adrenaline had worn off so he could feel the full force of his injuries. Oh my god, just the dislocated shoulder alone is like 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10 pain. I know you feel very, you feel some kind of way about the the dislocated shoulder, but Mans was attacked by a crocodile. I understand. He's been torn up. But he's had his arm broken in three places and it's dislocated, so I can't even imagine the amount of pain that he's in right now. Very true. It's got to be unbearable. Any slight movement he made, he was in absolute agony. And as time went on, his wounds became a ticking time bomb because he had no way of cleaning them out and they were full of who knows what. And he knew that the bacteria from the crocodile bite would enter his bloodstream and untreated could make him lose his arm or he would just die. And he couldn't move. If the gangrene didn't kill him, then a predator might. 
The group knows that at this point, they've lost their chance at rescue from Alistair. And also, the sun was starting to go down, and they knew that there's a almost a 0% chance that anyone will come down the river that way and find them because of how remote the area they were in was. And they most likely weren't going to last the night in the center of the river. So Arthur starts thinking about swimming for it again, but this time he was going to go where Alistair went, to the Zambia side, to see how badly Alistair's injuries were. But again, Faye told him that she wouldn't be able to bear losing him. But they had to do something, so they started discussing the possibility of all swimming together as a mass, that way they may scare away anything that would want to attack one of them, or all of them. And Faye asked her mother if she thinks she'll be able to do that in the first place, because, you know, Brenda almost didn't make it the first time and almost drowned Faye. And that was a much shorter distance. But she's like, I guess so. I guess we'll just have to try. So as they were all walking to the edge of this sandbank to get back into the water, Faye started panicking and fell into the water, but quickly got back up onto the sandbank and said she couldn't go through with it. They were completely out of their element and absolutely terrified. One of them most likely would have drowned or been eaten if they did go. They did have one good thing happen, though. At dusk, they saw something blue floating toward them. And by some stroke of luck, Phil Longdon's paddle from the beginning had floated 100 miles downstream and right to them. No way. Yeah. You're joking. 100 miles? Uh Uh-huh. Right. Right. That happens, right? Okay. It wasn't a lot. But at least now they had something they could use as a weapon if need be. Were they like, I like this shade of blue. Ah, yes. A good shade of... Seems like a classic. Turquoise. No, but so they were all so frustrated because it feels like everything is out of their control. They were completely stuck and they had to face the terrifying reality that Alistair was most likely bleeding out somewhere and they couldn't do anything about it. And then the sun went down. And as it went down, they continued to call out to Alistair, hoping that they would get some kind of response. But once the sun was completely down and the hyenas started calling back at them, they decided that they should stop calling to Alistair because if he did manage to call back to them, that might just alert another kind of predator to where he was. Oh, God. You're just so powerless. Yeah. Nighttime is definitely the most dangerous time in the African wilderness. Leopards, lions, and hyenas can all smell blood from several miles away, and they're on the prowl. Alistair, who was still sitting underneath the tree, gathered some stones around his hands. That way he could use them if anything did try to, you know, come and eat him. So this is all he can really do. And for the group in the water, as it got later into the night, the wind picked up and it got really cold. They were freezing as they stood in the water and they could not get warm. And they decided that they would all huddle together for warmth, but also because the chances of a crocodile getting them in in the night was extremely high. So they decided to try to make themselves as big as possible. And also they could kind of keep a lookout on every single side. But they were straining to see any kind of distance away from the group because it was super dark. And that's when Clive saw something in the dark coming toward them. And they all see it continue to get closer and closer. They had the paddle from Phil Longdon's attack. And as this mass got closer, Clive started hitting at it in the water. And soon enough, they realized that it was just a clump of vegetation and sticks that was floating down the river in the small bit of light that they did have from the moon. A relief. But everything looked like a potential crocodile. And standing there in the darkness, they saw all of the glowing eyes nearby in the moonlight. And they had to continually come to terms with the fact of how out of control they actually were. And they had to wonder about Alistair. They could hear the hyenas and lions getting closer, and they were terrified that one of them would pick up his blood trail and kill him in the night if he wasn't already dead from his wounds. And Alistair was worried about that as well. He didn't know what kind of blood trail he had left, and that's when he heard grazing nearby. He saw this gigantic buffalo right in front of him, and they made eye contact for a moment. Buffaloes are also pretty dangerous. They kill a lot of people every year, apparently, according to Alistair, who's a hunter, so I I assume he would know. And all Alistair could do was sit there and stare at this buffalo, who started to run straight at him. What, are you going to throw a rock at that? (laughs) Right, exactly. It's like huge. 
and he said there was nothing he could do and he just waited for it to come and nail him. But to his complete surprise, the buffalo broke its charge just a few feet away from him and came to a complete halt and looked at him. It then followed his blood and tracks down to the river, where it stood motionless for a while before coming back to where Alistair was and laid down next to him about 10 yards away, as if it were there to protect him. Whoa, I got chills. Yeah. So it like seems to understand that he just got wrecked. Yeah. And now is like... I'll protect you. Is standing guard. Yeah, that's insane. I don't know. I feel like this is an experience you would have on psychedelics. Right? Like that's... You know, this is something you would imagine. That doesn't seem real. I mean, maybe he was out of it. Maybe, maybe it was wasn't tripping. real. But he seemed to be pretty... Oh, like, I'm sure this was real. Yeah. But I just, I can't believe it. If it, if these buffalo kill people every year, no one's protecting him. It just seems so... Like, it just seems like, you know, this is like a higher power or something going yeah. on. Who knows, really? But that's it's definitely weird. And for a man who made a living of hunting large game, he said this was completely abnormal behavior for Buffalo, and it made absolutely no sense to him. Throughout the night, Alistair heard the calls of hyenas that were close by, but they kept their distance. And he said, I just don't know what would have happened if that Buffalo had not stayed there, but his presence gave me strength. So interesting stuff. And as time went on, Alistair's pain got even worse, and he knew that the worst thing that he could do was fall asleep. Because if he did, he could slip into unconsciousness, and with his wounds this serious, he could very possibly be dead by morning. But since he had lost a lot of blood, he couldn't keep himself awake, and he fell asleep. In the water, the group heard a water-slapping sound not too far from them. And Arthur told them that this was a crocodile slapping its tail on the water, and it was very close by. And they could make out the crocodile in the darkness as it came closer and closer to them. So suddenly they're all panicking. And Arthur, who still had the paddle, started smacking the water at it. And as he did that, it veered off from them and swam away. So that worked. All you had to do was uh, smack down a little bit. Yeah, I guess he scared it. Maybe it was like kind of mimicking the sound that the crocodile was making. And so it was like, oh, another crocodile. Yeah, I wonder if it's a territorial thing. Maybe. And this happened all night. The crocs would circle them, but Arthur would beat at the water and they, they'd they all scream like crazy to scare them off and it would work. But then they would stop and the circling would start again. At one point, Arthur wanted to sit down because the water was actually warmer than the air. But Faye told him he couldn't sit down because then once he did, he was going to be completely soaked. And then when he stood back up, he would be much colder. And then hypothermia could become a major factor and that could kill him. She also told them that they had two children to think about and, you know, his kids needed him to just get through this. And finally, the sun started to come up and it was a huge relief because they had made it through the night, but they were terrified that Alistair had bled to death. Also, they were all just physically and mentally exhausted. It had been 20 hours at that point that they were stranded in the water, so they were desperate. But another day led to new hope that maybe somebody would come through that area of the river. And not long after the sun had come up, they started to see these white dots off in the distance, which to them looked like a white boat that was, you know, far away. And it was coming toward them. And they were thrilled. So they started waving and screaming. But as it got closer, they saw that it was actually just some white egrets that looked like a boat. So it was just birds. Bird boats. Bird boat. Bird box. <laughs> God, that's so devastating. Yeah, they were shattered after that. They all just stood there and watched as these birds flew away. And that morning, Alistair shot awake just before morning when he felt what was like a million needles going all over his wounds. At first, he didn't know what it was, but then he looked down at his arm and saw hundreds of safari ants biting into his wounds. Oh, no. Safari ants are one of the most vicious insects in the world? Apparently, Africa is like... Is there anything that's like, oh, their ants aren't so bad? Right. Do they have anything like that? Do they have anything that's like diet or zero cal? Their moths are not scary. I don't know. <laughs> like everything. It's like hippos, yeah. alligators. Even their ants. The hyenas. Yeah. Even right. their ants. So they had been drawn to Alistair because they also can smell blood, apparently. Insects can smell blood? What the These fuck ones is this? Can. It's like a cheat code. Yeah. 
these safari ants can. But their biting sent another surge of adrenaline through Alistair, snapping him out of unconsciousness and probably saved his life. So there's that. But when the sun came up, the buffalo just got up and left. Because I guess he was like, my work here is done. Thank you, fam. And he got up and left. Like, yeah, shout out buffalo. <laughs> Literally, shout out buffalo. So he forced himself up and to move on because now he had some sort of burst to do it with the adrenaline from the ants. And he couldn't really stand upright. And he had to use his left hand on his knee to support himself as he hobbled forward, hunched over. He knew that he was still likely the only one who could get help for the others, but at that point, it had been 24 hours since the crocodile attack, and he had lost a lot of blood, and he was very weak and completely disoriented. But in his dazed state, he heard a boat on the river. He was pretty far from the bank at this point, but he used all of his energy to run toward the water. He thought he would never get down to the river in time because he had to climb down these steep hills that were covered in vines and brush but he managed to basically slide his way down toward the riverbank. And when he got down there, he looked at the river and saw nothing. So he thought it must have been a plane because there was no boat in sight. And as he stood there on the sand looking at nothing, he was so weak that he just passed out right there. At this point, the threat of a, a possible crocodile coming onto the sand to eat him wasn't even enough to pull him back up off the beach. And Alistair woke up on the beach, and it turns out that he did, in fact, hear a boat. Because on the other side of the river, there was a small white boat with two people on the sand, enjoying their day. Alistair tried to shout for them, but he was so weak that he couldn't even get out any sound. Oh my god, this is a nightmare. Yeah. This is a nightmare, like, where you can't yeah. speak. He sees them, but he can't speak. Oh. That's, like, literally, I've had dreams like that, where you, like, I feel like can't. everyone has, yeah, yeah. probably, but anyway. On the sandbank, the others were beginning to lose hope as well, and all they could do was stand there and wait, when all of a sudden, Brenda saw two people in canoes coming toward them. For whatever reason, these two people had come this far down the river and had spotted them and were able to pull them into their boats and save their lives. How lucky yeah. did they just get? Canoes. Could you imagine being in a canoe on the Zambezi Fuck River? Fuck no. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, okay. So hippos and crocs alone, I'm out. Yeah. You're going to take on a hippo in a canoe? Right. You think the you're going to outrun a hippo in a canoe? Right. And, you know, a fishing boat with a motor is no match for a hippo if it wants to tip it over. So a canoe? I feel like at least you got like a chance with the motor. Yeah. You got to be... Crazy. Yeah, a little nuts. But anyway, these canoe people saved them. So yeah. thank you, canoes. And actually, eventually, the couple on the other side of the river had also spotted Alistair and came over to him and pulled him inside of their boat. So they were able to take him to safety where he was soon reunited with the others. So their nightmare was finally over. Amen. Yeah. Also, for what? What a date for that couple. <gasps> just casually saving someone's life who'd been attacked by a crocodile 24 hours prior. Yeah, also that, but also just casually in a remote part of the Zambezi. Yeah. Huh? It's a different breed of people. Yeah, seriously. So first aid was applied and air rescue services were called in. However, the first plane failed to start, so they had to wait until that evening to get another aircraft to fly Alistair to a hospital where he was operated on, finally, and surgery and skin grafts followed in the surgery, which saved his arm with reduced flexibility, although he did make a full recovery. Yeah, that's a miracle that he basically made a full recovery and he just has reduced flexibility. Yeah. It's lucky. I mean, their entire ordeal is extremely lucky. I mean, the fact that separately, at pretty much at the same time, the group in the water got saved by people in canoes and Alistair got saved by people in a boat. What? Yeah, in a very remote part of the Zambezi? Yeah. I mean, the luck continues, though. Like, he should go hit Vegas. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hit the slots, Alistair. Pick I mean, seven, you know? Even after this entire ordeal, Arthur and Alistair still took regular fishing trips on that same stretch of the Zambezi River. Babes. <laughs> Babes. I like fishing. You but know what? I respect it. That's... I respect the hell out of that move. They were like, I don't care if I die. I'm going to do what I love. And what I love is going onto the Zambezi River. Seriously, that's insane. You know, insane. you gotta respect it. I, yeah, I do. But I'm also like, y'all are nuts. Yeah, they're a little bit nuts. That's some cuckoo shit right there. 
But anyway, Clive and Brenda still visited Africa regularly as well. And Faye still was obviously there because, you know, she's married to Arthur, but she rarely went back onto the water. And I do not blame her. Yeah. Miss Faye, I would do the same shit. Yeah, I'm sure their kids aren't going on the river either. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. And as their mother, I'd be like, yeah, you're going to pass, I think. <laughs> yeah, nor. Yeah, nor. I'm not feeling that one. I don't know what accent that was, but we're not feeling it. <laughs> and did you know that people swim in the Zambezi? Oh, for real? Yeah. Uh, one of the major tourist attractions is Victoria Falls, which is this huge, beautiful waterfall in the river. And at the very top, there is this place called the Devil's Pool, where people literally go to swim. And when you go swimming at the Devil's Pool, you are literally inches away from going over the top of a huge waterfall that plunges down uh, 354 feet or 108 meters. So there's that. Uh, and during the dry season which is mid-August to mid-January, when the waterfalls aren't gushing too much over the edge, travelers can go swimming at the Devil's Pool with an organized tour group. What many visitors don't know is that you must swim through a very small section of the Zambezi River to reach the Devil's Pool, and if you aren't a strong enough swimmer, the guides will help you cross by joining a line and holding hands. This is fun. The guides will check for crocodiles or hippos before you all get in. So don't worry, guys. Right, We're going to check. How many waivers I mean, do you have so to sign? Many, so many waivers. So they, they check for the crocodiles and the hippos. And apparently these animals haven't been reported in the actual devil's pool itself. But they could very well be in the shallow waters of the Zambezi, as we know. And apparently there haven't been any deaths from people swimming in the devil's pool, but it is still extremely dangerous. So that's something that people do. Zero people. I'm not that people, but some people. I thought you were going to be like, this also kills hundreds of people every year. <laughs> no. Appar I mean, according to that article, it had never killed anyone. But I mean, who actually knows if that's true? Actually, the article was sponsored by the tour group. Yeah. I don't believe it. <laughs> right. And before we finish off this super exciting story, I just wanted to end us with some interesting crocodile facts because I found this article and I was like, huh? Huh? Fun. Yeah. So most attacks occur in or near the water and a saltwater croc can weigh more than 2,000 pounds and launch itself with its tail. Yo, the, it's like a little spring. Oh, gosh. Also, you're telling me that most crocodiles' attacks happen where they live. Right. What? In the water. Crazy. And near the water. Crazy. That's nuts. Right. So the Dominator is a famous... <laughs> yeah, the, the Dominator. You heard oh me right. That's a famous 20-foot-long crocodile in Australia's Northern Territory. It was known to have leapt up past the railing of a tour boat on the Adelaide River. 20 foot. And they just, like, named it? The Dominator. <laughs> brother i can't yeah so okay this is another crazy thing so whoa, 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 whoa. what no, no no stop so they're in the tour boat and they have a railing and how deep is the water it's i don't know for a boat yeah and it like the crocodile came out of the water like a whale mm -hmm. and just leapt yeah. over launches itself with its tail yo people on that tour are awake now uh, right that yep they're uh, awake that's something to they're say alert. about that that's true Here's another little anecdote for us. So during World War II, the Imperial Army learned firsthand how deadly saltwater crocs could be in the Battle of Ramri Island. On January 26, 1945, the Allies launched an attack to retake Ramri from the Japanese. And forced to retreat, some soldiers headed to the mangrove swamps, either unaware that the waters were infested with crocs or vastly underestimating their power, British soldier and naturalist Bruce Stanley Wright estimated only 20 of the 1,000 soldiers survived the night. Wow. It was possibly the worst crocodile attack in history. Almost 1,000 people? Almost 1,000 people. Wow. Yep. And a pro tip, if you spot a croc, back away slowly and try not to make any sudden movements. Splashing in water will only draw attention. If a crocodile heads your way, run away in a straight line... The myth about moving in a zigzag motion is just a myth. Crocodiles can move at 10 miles per hour, so remove those flip-flops and run faster. Yeah, get going. Yeah. I've heard the zigzag thing, too. I ha Everyone's heard that. Yeah, my grandma was so, like, sure about it. Yeah, everyone is. They're like, run in a zigzag. No, no, run in a straight line. Get the hell out of there. 
I don't know, but you see them and it makes sense. It doesn't seem like they're very agile going like horizontal. Apparently it's just you know? a myth. So you know, Do you run it in like an arc, you know? Just keep run. turning. Run fast. Straight line. Yeah. Okay. I mean, according to this article, I don't know. I don't claim to know okay. everything. So we've changed our opinion because of the internet. I do this not. This is a treacherous road we're going down. Listen, all I'm saying is that I do not take responsibility for anyone who has listened to this podcast and said, Steph said to run in a straight line, <laughs> and therefore that's why I lost my leg. Yeah, I don't want anyone. <laughs> don't... Yeah, don't take our advice. Just, just try your best. I don't you know, know. We're not experts. Right. We just read things on the internet and repeat them as if they're true. <laughs> Although one thing that this art, these articles did say about crocodile attacks is don't stop fighting. So I'll leave you with that one. Yeah, I'll, I'll back that one. Don't stop fighting and find the the stop flap. <laughs> find the alley, the crocodile stop flap. I still can't believe that. Seriously. But anyway, that is the story of the terror on the Zambezi. Right. That's what the episode of I Shouldn't Be Alive was called. So. Yeah, they were from uh, the UK. Yeah. I don't know. I kept doing Australian this episode. It felt right. It did feel right. Well, you know? I think it felt because of uh, what's Steve it, what's Irwin. It? Yeah, Steve Irwin. Oh, rip. I was channeling God. my Steve Irwin this this time around. Such a great show. Oh yeah, R.I.P. Anyway, um, what's your good thing? My good thing is the Patreon. Obviously, I'm very excited about it, and it's a very exciting thing. Also, we forgot to say at the top. If you subscribe to our Patreon, if you do an annual subscription in the first month of it being live, you get a 15% discount. We love a deal. We love a deal. We love to bring you a deal. Hell yeah. So get on that annual subscription. Yes. Uh, my good thing is my new microphone. It's blue. It is blue. Uh, my favorite color. It looks very sleek, and I'm just very excited hearing myself without feedback in the background. Mm-hmm. It's got a matte finish, which you love. I love a matte finish. I'm such a bitch <laughs> for a matte finish. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. And uh, yeah, I hope I hope it sounds better. Hell yeah. Well, anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Check out our Patreon linked in the episode's description. Because how many times can you plug it? Not enough. Not uh, enough. Check out our Instagram for all the pictures of all the stories we talk about at today underscore podcast. If you or anyone you know has a story of survival that you would like to share with us and hear on a possible upcoming listeners episode, send it to knowtodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter that is not today podcast, but the T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. Because that makes sense. And we have a TikTok that is not today podcast. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah. 